Spirit of the living God, come now and have your way. Friends, I'm grateful to get to be with all of you, whether you're joining us at our Rock Island campus, at our Bettendorf campus, online, at our Kiwani campus. My name's Beth, and I have the honor and privilege of getting to be part of the Heritage Pastoral Team. And I'm excited to get to pick up this journey that we've been on called Our Heritage with all of you. You know, as we, as we looked at how do we have a conversation about it, what it looks like for us as a church to embody God's heart, we could think of no better way to do it than to walk through these six values that we've been talking about over the last few weeks. And so I just want to give us a refresher of what those are and then where we're going to be today. You know, we realized as we walked through this that this is really, this is how God is with us. And it all starts with God's love for us. We know what God, we know what love is because God loved us first. And so it starts with his authentic love. And then we're invited into a relationship with him that is intense, that is all in, that is spiritually rich, that is transformative. When we talked about radical generosity and faithful risk, we looked at how Jesus embodied that when he was sent as the God-man to come to earth, to risk it all, the greatest rescue mission of all time to see humanity restored in right relationship with God. How generous for a people who are so undeserving. And yet Jesus was all in. Today we're gonna look at hopeful partnership and passionate mission. And throughout this journey, we've been, we've been pivoting between talking about the values and then sort of looking at a practice week. How do we actually do that as a church? And so we've been sharing fabulous stories about the partnerships that God has blessed us with. And so I think intuitively we get hopeful partnership a little bit more maybe than passionate mission. And so we're going to start our conversation there today. It's important for us to understand that passionate mission starts with God. The mission that we get to be a part of is God's idea. Now, for those of you who don't know, I was in the army, Sean was in the army, and you know, there's some acronyms that they use in the army because soldiers are simple. And so here's two acronyms I'm going to share with you, and then we're going to interact with one of them. The first one is, when you're sharing really important information, number one, kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. Now, I'm not calling anyone here stupid. This is just all about in the soldiering realm. But the second one that went right along with it was bluff, the bottom line up front. And so I'm going to cut to the chase on this passionate mission thing, and then we'll go back and tease it out. But here's the bottom line up front, friends. God's mission is to see all of humanity restored and reconciled into right relationship with him. That's his mission. And guess what? God's mission has a church. Our heritage 
is part of that church, that church that is all in with God's mission for the world. Our passionate mission looks like inviting us to be a people who love the Lord our God with all our heart and with all our soul and with all our mind and with all our strength and to love our neighbors as we love ourselves because God's mission starts with love. You know, sometimes when we talk about mission, I think in the church, we make it smaller than it actually is. And so I wanna make sure that we understand that missions is not something we do. This is the first fill-in in your note guide if you're following along, and I encourage you to do that. The scriptures are gonna be in there. There's gonna be lots of great information as we walk through the conversation today. Missions is not something we do. Being on mission is who we are as Christ followers. It's a declaration of who we are, that we choose to join wholeheartedly, passionately into the mission of God. And so mission is something we are on, something we are on together. Missions is not a program, a place, a project, or a preference. It is something we are, and so we live on mission as the sent people of God. Jesus declared this in John 20, 21 when he said this, as the Father has sent me, so am I sending you. So in the same way that the Father sent Jesus, all in, faithful risk, radical generosity, originating in love, in that same way Jesus is saying that, that he was sent, we are sent. And then Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. I love in scripture when we see Holy Spirit connected to breath or to wind. Because you see, Holy Spirit is as necessary for us as Christ followers as our very breath is for, for living. As present as our breath is, that's how present Holy Spirit is in us and through us if we're Christ followers, if you've accepted Jesus into your heart, you have Holy Spirit inside of you. So I want you to do this with me. Breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe in. Breathe out. May your very breath be a reminder that you have the power of Holy Spirit at work inside of you and through you. You know, one of the spiritual practices that I've been working on over the last year is a, is a practice called breath prayer. And it's an invitation to, to just be in that state of, of prayer, of constant prayer, as constant as our breath is, let our prayer be that steady. May our prayer be that present. And so there's different breath prayers that I pray in different seasons. But I invite you to consider that practice as a way of reminding yourself as you breathe in and you breathe out 
that you are inviting Holy Spirit to be in you and to work through you. Two breath prayers that I've prayed recently. There's an inward focused one that just says, Lord, let me see. And what that's tying into for me is me just reminding my heart to be calibrated to the Lord's. That the Lord would let me see people the way that he does. Lord, let me see. An outward focused one is this one. Holy Spirit, send me. I don't know what a breath prayer might look like for you, but I invite you to consider reminding yourself, calibrating your heart and your mind and your soul to the reality that Holy Spirit is as as present for you as your breath is. You know, for the church, especially the church in America, staying outwardly focused is one of our greatest challenges. We have to fight to keep from losing our sentness. Our bent is to get together and to want to circle the wagons, bunker in, get safe and comfortable to protect our resources. And yet the reality is that if the church is on the mission of God, the mission of God is all about reconciling the world to himself. And so we gather together And we provide a place, I think about like the hospital analogy. We provide a place where people can come, people who are broken, who who need healing, who need restoration, who need words of life spoken over them. And then as they experience healing, they go back out again. Because people are not meant to stay in a hospital. They come to be restored and then they leave. We don't just go to church, friends. We are the church. And so we are all invited in to that grand mission of God. But when we reduce missions to just a piece of the church pie, something we go and do, a program, a project, a trip, a budget line item, we lose that perspective and missions just becomes a thing instead of everything that we are. And so rather than a piece of the pie, what if we thought about the mission of God as the crust of the pie that holds the whole pie together? It touches everything that we are. For how could it not? Jesus' last words to us before he ascended back into heaven, put us on mission and commissioned us to live into his mission. Matthew 28, verses 18 and 19. Many of us know these these verses well, but let us try to hear them with new ears. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. Our God is the sending God, friends. He has called us, his people, the church, to be missionary agents of his love and his glory. Ambassadors of the wonderful news that reconciliation is always possible. 
So being a church on mission means that we get to embody this sending. And we talk about it by saying we get to live sent. You see, God's mission, it's the very starting place for understanding the church. God's placed mission inside the DNA of every church, but every church has to connect to that DNA and decide how they're going to cultivate it. What is that going to look like for them as a church? And that's the invitation before us as our heritage. It's when the church faithfully provides this space where we gather, where we preach and teach the word of God, where we worship together, where we baptize new believers, where we take the Lord's Supper together, we see the Great Commission advanced. And we see this opportunity to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. The church, just by being faithful in these simple tasks, is taking a place at the center of mission. When the church preaches the gospel, we advance God's mission to make disciples. And this is what provides the context. It provides our foundation for being sent to go out. So I've been trying to think about how to give us a visual on what this looks like. I don't know if any of you watched the Rugby World Championships. No. Okay, great. If I could come back as a professional athlete, it would be to be a rugby player. There is something that I love about that sport. It is visceral. It is intense. It's raw. It's in your face. It's physical. It's, it's movement-oriented. Um, and so South Africa just played England in the World Championships. It was super exciting. South Africa won, like, shout all the way back to the Invictus movie, if you saw that. Um, so I was watching it, and I was thinking, you know what? If you're not familiar with the rules of rugby, it's just totally wonky and weird. So they do this thing where they get all together in a circle, and they're like linking arms, and it's the two teams, and it's called the scrum. And at some point, the referee kind of gets in there and throws the ball in the middle, and they're like intensely pushing face-to-face with, with their opponents, with their teammates, and they're moving. And then at some point, I don't really understand, at some point, somebody moves the ball out, and then everything breaks loose, and all the stuff starts to happen. The church is like this. We get together. We're locking arms. We're face-to-face. That's when we gather in one space. We are the church. And sometimes we disagree, and so we lock arms, and we're grunting at each other, and it's getting intense and whatever. But the bottom line is, when the ball comes out, we're moving out into, into our positions, into the ways that God has equipped us to move the ball down the field. This is God's passionate mission for the church, that we would come together, but then that we would go out and advance his mission in the world around us. Now, I know I've talked to some of you over the years, and living scent feels like pressure to you. And so I want to relieve that pressure. And this is what I want to say about living scent. Living scent is an invitation to purpose. A purpose to live on passionate mission with your whole life. You're 24-7, 365. This is what happens when we live a passionate mission out in business and in the arts 
and in public schools and in the home and in all of life. And you know what? A lot of this can feel really ordinary most of the time. Ordinary Christians in our ordinary lives talking about Jesus and the gospel and the hope that we have and the reconciliation that we've experienced. But then you know what? Sometimes it's extraordinary because we get the opportunity, the divine opportunity to be Jesus with skin on, to be his hands and his feet. And we get to see someone respond to the power of the gospel. This is what it means for us as Christ followers to be a good news person. Christopher Wright talks about it like this. He says, if our mission is to share good news, we need to be good news people. If we preach transformation, we need to show some evidence of what transformation looks like. You know, I was recently in a conversation with a community partner and they're in one of our spaces and they're a new partner. And so I was just checking in and getting to know them a little bit more, finding out how things were going. And I asked him about, you know, how are you finding it, things to be here for you? How can we serve you? And um, it was with a group of, of the leaders in that organization. And, and they said this, and I want you to hear this heritage because they were talking about you. They said, we've been in other spaces where we haven't felt welcome because of our mission. And the people that we serve weren't really welcomed and they were judged. But you're different. You actually believe that everyone deserves another chance. You are hopeful. You are encouraging. You give dignity to everyone regardless of social status, criminal record, skin color. You treat people as humans who are worthy of love. And I was able to share back with them that the reason that we're able to do that is because we've been so greatly loved. How could we not? You know, God's mission and his pursuit of us is intense. It's passionate. He's all in on seeing us reconciled to his heart and seeing us experience reconciliation with each other. In your note guide and on the screen here, we've got some words that kind of stand in contrast to each other. And if you look at the words on the left, this is really the journey of God's mission for us. And it's also our invitation of how we can relate to others in a really healthy missional way. And so I want to walk through these. And you might want to, if you like to do this sort of thing, you might want to kind of mark where you are on this continuum and where you are on this spectrum of relating to other people and understanding God's desire to have relationship with you. This first are and do, this is all about God's pursuit of us as human beings, not human doings. God's invitation to be on mission with him 
not to do missions. And so embracing the R, embracing the human beings around us rather than the human doings is a way to embody God's heart. Relationship and partnership, these kind of go together. We are invited into a relationship that wants more for people than from people, that believes that we're more together than we are apart. You know, I think it's hard in our culture because we often, we, we attach commodity to relationships. And so we can get transactional really quick. And we can say, well, what's in it for me? That's transactional. Partnership is about wanting more for someone than from them. We're invited to be present with God. This goes back to the human beings over human doings. There's a transforming thing that happens when we are present with people in a posture of doing life together. Being with over doing for. It's really awesome when you get to the point where you get to do with. But if we short circuit the being process first, we'll end up doing for. And so that's why empowerment is so important. We know that God is the ultimate hero of our stories. And one of our, one of our core commitments in our relationships here in the communities right here or, or across the ocean is that other people are the heroes of the story that we get out of the way so that they can ultimately understand that God's the hero of their story. You know, all these things kind of happen over the long haul. There's not a once and done kind of thing where you can check the box and say, okay, I'm, I'm done with that one. Now I can just move on to presence. It's really finding a way to have all of these things live in harmony and live in congruency with each other. In Romans 5 verses 1 through 5, Paul walks us through a journey that embodies this, this mission of God. He says this, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, justified, therefore, we, since we have been made right with God, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's through Jesus that we've gained access by faith into the grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God, not only so, but we glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I believe that hope is one of the greatest felt needs in our culture today. So many people are despairing depressed, spiraling from a lack of hope. My brothers and sisters, we have a living hope, a hope that will never put us to shame because God's love has been lavished on us and into us through Holy Spirit. We are good news people. And good news people come alongside people in hopeful partnership and they call out the Imago Dei inside of them. They call out the image of God 
in humanity. Because here's the deal. If we go all the way back to creation, Genesis 1, the Godhead, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit created man and woman in the image of the Godhead. And then sin broke the ability for humanity to actually mirror that image the way that it was supposed to be. But every single person has the image of God implanted inside of them. A lot of people just don't know it. They don't recognize it. They don't understand that what they're looking for is the connection to actually fully live into the image of God that's inside of them. And that's what we get to be a part of. God uses us to call out in people the image of God that's already inside of them, to awaken them to the truth that they were made for a relationship with God. I love that God uses us. He doesn't have to. He could have found another way. But in his crazy mind, the way that God thinks that just blows all of our minds, he said, you know what? I have no plan B. The church is my plan A, full of flawed, broken, messed up people. God's like, yeah, I'm going to use them to see the world reconciled back to my heart. My friends, if you stop and you think about it, you already know someone that he's drawing to himself. And the question is, what part might he want you to play in their journey back to him? His plan is that people can experience being right with him, becoming whole people who are able to experience healed relationships with others and get to be a part of healing, reconciling work around them. Paul goes on to say in Romans 5, 10, and 11, for if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. The gift of reconciliation changes everything for us. If you can hear my voice today and you've not experienced this gift of reconciliation, I would pray, I would beg you that today be the day. If you don't know how to do that and what that looks like, there's a prayer in your note guide that you can walk through. Any of the pastors at your location, someone wearing a lanyard, a prayer partner, would be honored to get to walk you through experiencing this gift of reconciliation. You know, when we look at hopeful partnership and the reconciliation that people um, get to experience, I think that one of the great joys we've had over this last year is to get to see this play out in the lives of children who are part of a, a group called Zoe. We started a partnership with Zoe just a little over a year ago, and we adopted our first empowerment group in January. In April, we got news that they had picked their name, the Conquerors, 
And we ask you to consider picking up a prayer card and adopting one of those family groups in prayer. And so many of you did that, and I want to say thank you. And I believe that your prayers have made a tremendous impact on these children and the people who serve them. In September, we were able to send a team from Heritage to get to go to Kenya and to get to connect with our group, to encourage them, to pray for them, to bear witness to the transformation that is happening in their lives. I'm so excited to get to share a bit of the story of that journey with you. Um, And so I invite you to look at the screens as we just kind of take it all in. Enjoy this moment. These are the words of real children, real children who were hopeless, lost, and afraid, real children who had no one to say, I'm proud of you, I believe in you, and you are valuable, real children rejected by their communities because they lost their parents. These are the words of children who had to become caretakers for their siblings, trying to find food and housing for themselves and those they were now responsible to protect. In every sense of the word, they were vulnerable. In 2004, God prompted a group of people to form ZOE, a relief organization for children in Zimbabwe. In 2006, a local woman, Epiphany, worked with her teammates to create a model of care that empowered young people rather than simply giving them the things that foreigners believed they needed, a hand up rather than a hand out. The model continued to evolve into the program we see today. Zoe takes a radically different approach to caring for vulnerable children. They've changed from a child sponsorship paradigm to a child empowerment paradigm, and that has made all the difference. Vulnerable children are placed in what are called empowerment groups, and they essentially become a functioning community and family group for one another. In September, Heritage sent a small team to Kenya to meet with the Conquerors, our first empowerment group of children. Energy was high for the children and for our team as they both experienced a wide range of emotions. We met at a church, and while some of the kids were initially nervous and shy, we began to hear amazing, heartbreaking stories. Eric, the chairperson of the group, shared with us the horrors of his past, including abuse, crime, substance abuse, and neglect. With tears in his eyes, he recounted the feeling of being abandoned and unloved. However, tears of sorrow became tears of joy and gratitude. Even though he is only nine months into a three-year journey, Eric, once without a family and hopeless, is now the leader of this empowerment group, is a business owner, and has joy and hope. He shared that, even though he may not have three meals a day, he knows where his next meal will come from, and he is proud of himself for the person he is. A boy who once was an outcast in his community is now a community leader and is helping to change the trajectory of a whole generation of children who now know who they are. They are loved. 
they are valued. Like Eric's, we heard stories of abuse, hardship, despair, and loss, but each and every one who shared spoke of how God had saved them and how the horrors of their past were behind them. Those who had no homes now were building their own. Those who had no food were becoming farmers and providing for the needs of others. Those who had no family now had a family and the other children now sitting around that circle. This is what empowerment looks like. This is what redemption looks like. This is what the kingdom of God in action looks like. The lost are found, the poor are lifted up and empowered, the lonely are set in families, and children, once without hope, are living out the gospel by being hope for one another. We celebrate that we are not the heroes of the story. Jesus and his children are the heroes of this story. And we look forward with hope and anticipation to what God will do over the next three years and beyond. This is Zoe. This is our heritage. I want to say thank you to the Heritage Church family for being so radically generous. As you've given to the Mission Fund over the last year, we've been able to partner with groups like Zoe and just see God do amazing things. You know, if you got a prayer card and you, and you looked at that picture taken in April, these, the pictures, uh, these are the same group of children, but the transformation is remarkable. And I think it's important for us to understand that these children embody what, what Paul's talking about in Romans 5 because each one of them has suffered in intense ways. They've experienced trauma and grief, loss of family, loss of connection to community, abuse, being destitute, Intense suffering that so many of us, we can't even relate to it. And yet they've shown us that suffering that leans into Jesus produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. And I hope that you could tell in watching the video, just those glimpses that we got, that hope is abounding in the Conqueror's group. If you want to hear more about Zoe and our team's journey there and where we are in our partnership with Zoe and what's next, I invite you to, to mark on your calendars November 10th, next Sunday night at 6 p.m. at our Rock Island campus in room 102. We're going to be walking through that journey together. It's going to be super exciting, and so I encourage you, all of you to make sure that you're able to be there. You know, annually, every year about this time, we, we just sort of pause as a church and calibrate around our missional investments. And so I want to invite all of you to lean forward and the seat back in front of you and grab this card. There's an orange tab right at the top that says, Go Be Love. And on the back side of it, you're going to see a lot of information in really tiny print that I can just barely read even with my glasses on. There, that's better. So I invite you to take this home and prayerfully walk through this with the Lord, with Holy Spirit. There's lots of amazing opportunities to go be love. 
out of passionate mission, out of a heart to see people reconciled to God's heart. Some of these opportunities are our one-off gatherings. We're going to do another meal packing event on November 23rd. We'll need about 300 people to pack 50,000 meals down at our Esperanza Center. It was great last year to see so many families connecting and serving together in that space. There might be opportunities for you that are individual. It might be for you as a married couple, you as a family, a small group to engage. But we would ask that you prayerfully just sit with Holy Spirit and ask Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, how might you want me to engage differently with your heart for passionate mission in the coming year? If you have questions about any of those opportunities, you can talk to one of the campus pastors. They'd be happy to walk you through that or anyone who's connected to our SENT team. You know, one of the great uh, opportunities that we had last week was to hear from Cammie, the principal at Jefferson Elementary. And she walked through what it's looked like for Heritage to be a faithful, present, hopeful partner over the long haul. And that it hasn't been so much one thing that has happened. It's been embodying that arc of being present with, being partnered with, empowering of them that over four years now, We've seen God do incredible things. And Jefferson Elementary, which was one of the roughest, hardest schools in the Davenport School District, is abounding with hope. And there's wonderful things that are happening that we've gotten to be just a small part of. So what's our invitation? There's some blank lines in your note guide after that, our invitation And really, because we don't want to be prescriptive and say, hey, this is the thing you need to do out of this. I'm going to give you some questions to consider and some spaces that you might want to look at stepping into. But I would invite you to just really say, as as I'm taking this in, Lord, as I'm processing through these values that embody your heart, what is it that you have for me, Lord? And so here's a question for us to think about. Does my life point to being a good news person? Am I a good news person? Do people see in my life transformation that points to the good news that a reconciled relationship with Jesus brings? Am I intentionally engaged in hopeful partnership? What does that look like in your life? It could look like partnering with one of the organizations that we're connected to, but it could look like in your workplace, partnering with someone who needs hope, who needs to have the image of God called out in them. There's a song that I love called Borrow Mine. It's by Bebo Norman. And there's a line in it that says this, you can borrow mine when your hope is gone. I think that's one of the most awesome things that we get to do as Christ followers We can let people borrow our hope because we have an endless supply because of Holy Spirit inside of us. We have a hope that will never be put to shame. As we look at the evidences of hopeful partnership, they're in your note guide, calling out the image of God, experiencing the power and fullness that comes when we do life together, the evidences of passionate mission, building bridges and intentional relationship. Where are you engaging with these in your own life? 
And how does, how does building bridges, for example, of intentional relationship, how does that inform how you're living sent in your own life, living into the purpose that God has for you? I'm excited next week that we're going to gather again and we're going to talk about what it looks like to, to embody and to practice these values. And we're going to have some great community partners sharing with us how, how they're doing that and how we're intersecting with that. And so we're going to get to hear from Phil Ambrose, the principal at Thurgood Marshall, via an awesome story. And then we're going to have Dr. Kit Ford, the founder and director of Argros House, here with us. Uh, to also talk about what does it look like to be a force for reconciliation in the Quad Cities. So you won't want to miss those conversations. You know, a practice that we've been inviting us into throughout this journey is called Prayers of the People. And in your note guide, there's a prayer, and we've had that every week. There's a prayer that we're inviting all of us to pray throughout the week together. And this week's prayer is taken from Psalm 146, verses 6 to 10. So you don't need to follow along in your note guide. You can use that for later. I just invite us to be in a prayer posture that works for you as I pray these words over us. Let's pray together. O oh Lord, you are the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, you alone remain faithful forever. You uphold the cause of the oppressed and you give food to the hungry. You, O oh Lord, set prisoners free. You give sight to the blind. You lift up those who are bowed down and you love the righteous. Lord God, you watch over the foreigner and sustain the fatherless and the widow. You frustrate the ways of the wicked. You reign forever, King Jesus, for all generations, and we praise you, O Lord. May you, Holy Spirit, allow us to embody this prayer. May you expand our hearts. May you let us see the, way the, the world the way that you do, and may you give us courage to live as your sent people on passionate mission. We pray this all in the strong name of Jesus, amen.